The following Mishnah is a continuation of the previous Mishnah, although we will jump around between lots of different cases. Now we learned in the previous Mishnah that if somebody has lots of barrels or lots of bottles of Tevel wine, untithed wine, and he wants to separate Truma from all of them. So we learned that as long as the barrels haven't been closed yet, he can separate the Truma from one bottle, so separate lots of Truma from one bottle on behalf of all of the bottles. However, once the bottles have been closed, then he can he has to separate Truma from each one individually. Now the reason for this, although we didn't go into depth when we learned that Mishnah, is because in general, if somebody is separating Truma from one thing on behalf of something else, those two things need to be Minhamukov, which means they need to be right next to each other. Now in general, when you're separating solids, you're separating tithes from solids, so they can be right next to each other. But in the case of wine, they're separated by the barrels. So each barrel or each bottle separates each wine, so the wines are not directly next to each other. However, as long as the bottles have not been closed, it is still considered to be Minhamukov, since they're all open and at least next to each other, so that is good enough for Minhamukov. However, as we learned, once you have closed the barrels, then it's not Minhamukov, and you'd have to separate Truma from each one individually. The question of the beginning of our Mishnah is whether there is a solution once you have closed the bottles, if let's say you were to open them up again. Does that mean you can now consider them Minhamukov, and you can separate from just one wine? Or do we say that once you've closed it, already that's considered not next to each other, and it's too late? So the answer is, it's a machleikah, you'll need to open up the barrels, or the bottles, whatever they may be, and then as well as that, you need to pour them all into one vat, into one big container, and only then would you be able to separate one trimmer on behalf of all of it. So just opening them up again is not good enough, because as soon as you've closed them, you have given them the status of not being in Hamukov, of not being all together as one. And therefore, in order to separate one truma, you have to actually mix all of the wine, because then certainly it would be min Hamukov. On the other hand, all you need to do is open them up, you don't need to pull them all into one big vat, into one big container, because as soon as they're open, they are considered min Hamukov according to Beis Hillel. Now, the next part of the Mishnah is referring to a different case in the previous Mishnah, and that was that we learnt that if somebody has a bottle or a barrel of Tevel wine, and he closes that bottle, and only after closing it, he declares the wine to be Maiseshani. So we learnt that once he has closed the bottle, he's considering the bottle to be totally part of the wine, and the wine to be part of the bottle. So by declaring the wine Maiseshani, he is also declaring the barrel and the bottle to also be Maiseshani. However, the Mishnah says that that's only When is that said? That is only said in a location where the general custom is to sell wine in closed bottles. Because if that's the general custom, that means that in that place, the bottles are totally there just to serve the wine, and they're totally part of the wine, and therefore, the bottles would also gain the status of Maiseshani, just like the wine. However, says the Mishnah, in a location where the general custom was to sell wine in open barrels or open bottles, and that means that each customer would come with their own bottle, and the seller would pour wine into their bottle. Now in that case, it's quite clear that the bottle is considered separate from the wine. It's not sold together with the wine, and it's totally one with the wine. So in that location, even if you have closed your bottle, and then you declare the wine to be Maiseshani, since in that place bottles are not considered to be part of the wine, even if you've closed your bottle, it is not considered to be part of the wine. And therefore, in that situation, the bottle would not become Maiseshani. 
or at least it wouldn't become Maishashenu like the wine. The bottle wouldn't become Chulin. It's not that it doesn't have Maishashenu status. Rather, it's not considered part of the wine. So we learned in the first parak actually, that in this situation, one needs to spend the amount of money which the bottle is worth, spend that on food, and you've got to treat that food as Maishashenu. The point is, though, that that Maishashenu is separate from the Maishashenu wine which is in the bottle. And the consequence of that would be, let's say, if somebody wanted to redeem the wine, they would only need to redeem the value of the wine itself, but not the barrel, or not the bottle. The bottle has a separate law that you need to buy that amount of food. However, its Maishashenu status is totally independent of the Maishashenu status which the wine itself has. Right, the next case of the Mishnah concerns somebody who spends Maishashenu money on bottles of wine. However, whereas in general somebody sells wine by the bottle, so let's say he would sell five bottles of wine, this particular seller is selling it by volume. And because of that, the bottles are considered totally insignificant. And you're not considered to be buying the bottles, because you're buying the amount of wine. And therefore, if the particular seller who he's buying from is strict on himself, and is particular to sell by volume, the reason why it's considered to be strict is because it's more precise, so it's a more honest way of selling. But the Mishnah says, The bottle is considered to be chulin, and it does not gain Maishashenu status at all, since the sale had nothing to do with the containers, rather only the volume of wine was sold. It happens to come with containers, but that's not the sale. Alright, the next case again is jumping back to our previous case, and that is Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon says, and before we see the words which he says, let's just explain the case. And Rabbi Shimon is talking about a very specific case. A person has a closed bottle of Tevel wine, and he declares all of the wine, except for a little bit of the wine, to be Maishashenu. But he keeps a little bit, at least a significant amount, at least a revius, a quarter of a leg, he keeps that as chulin. And then he sells that quarter leg, of chulin wine to somebody else. And he tells that person, he says to his friend, this wine, this quarter of a leg, part of my wine, I'm selling to you, except for without the jug, or the bottle. And he would take out a quarter of a leg of that wine and give it to his friend. Now I might think that by selling all of the chulin part of the wine, and specifically saying that he is not selling the container, and he is keeping the container for the rest of the wine, which is Maishashenu, I might have thought that he is designating the container to be totally for the Maishashenu, and that the container should become secondary to the Maishashenu wine, and therefore the container should become Maishashenu itself. So Rabbi Shimon says that is not the case, and rather Yotzakangan the bottle remains Chulin, and does not become Maishashenu. The only time that the container would become Maishashenu is when you designate all of the wine inside of that bottle, Maishashenu, so the bottle becomes secondary to that. But in this case, since there was a time bit which was Chulin, even if you're getting rid of that Chulin, the fact is, when the wine became Maishashenu, part of the wine in the, in the bottle was Chulin, and therefore the bottle did not become Maishashenu itself. So again, that Mishnah jumped around from lots of different cases, quite confusing, but now we move on to Perek Dalad. Now the focus of most of Perek Dalad is redeeming Maishashenu, and the halacha is that ideally one is not allowed to redeem his Maishashenu except for in the location where the Maishashenu produce grew. So in his field and at home he can redeem it, but he's not allowed to take the produce, let's say halfway to Yerushalayim, and then redeem it onto money, and then bring the money to Yerushalayim. Now the question of our Mishnah is what happens if somebody does transport produce from one location to another, 
and then he decides halfway through, you know, he wants to redeem it then. So though he wasn't allowed to remove it to that other location, once he moved it, he is still allowed to redeem it in that second location. However, what happens if the second location's prices are different to the first location? Somebody who transports Maishashini produce from a place where they're worth more to a place where they are worth less. Or from a place where they are worth less to a place where they are more expensive. Says the Mishnah, he redeems it based on the prices of his location where he is right now. So this could come out as a leniency if the second location has lower prices, where the produce is worth less. Or it could come out as a stringency if the second location's prices are higher. Continues the Mishnah, if somebody brings produce from the threshing floor to the city. Now in the city, by the marketplaces, prices are higher than by the fields. Or if he brings a chaliyayin nagasla air, if he transports jugs of wine from a wine press to the city, so again he's moving it to a place where the prices are higher. So as Mishnah, firstly, as we just learned, hashvach lasheni, the increase in value goes to my sesheni, meaning he'll have to redeem it using the higher price. So he'll end up with more my sesheni. And now comes the chiddush of the second part of the Mishnah, v'tzies mibesai, the cost of transportation has to come from his own pocket. So if, let's say, it cost him some money to transport all of the produce to the city, so you might think that since the value of the Maishashani went up, you could use that increase to pay for the transportation. But the mission says, no, you cannot do that, because the transportation costs have nothing to do with the Maishashani produce itself, and therefore those costs need to come from your own pocket, but at the same time, since the prices of the Maishashani are worth more in the city, that is the price he needs to use when redeeming the produce. Mishnah Bates, we're now going to see a big leniency when it comes to redeeming Maishashani produce. Pudin Maishashani Kshar Hazol. One can redeem Maishashani produce using the cheaper price, and that is Kmeis Shachen Voni Loikeach, the price at which a shopkeeper buys his produce, Loikmeis Shomeicher, and not the price which he uses to sell the produce. Now, a shopkeeper obviously needs to pay less for that which he buys, because he's buying lots of produce, so he can get it for a cheaper price. That's the wholesale price. And then he sells it on for a higher price. So the mission is saying you're allowed to use the lower price when calculating how much you need to redeem the produce onto money. So there'll be less Maishashani. And the reason for this is learned from a posuk. The Torah says with regards to redeeming Maishashani that Hashem will bless you. And we learn from this that there's a blessing involved in the Maishashani redeeming, and that is that you have to spend less on it. And similarly, if you want to redeem Maishashani money, Let's say you've got lots of copper Maishashani coins, and you want to redeem it onto one silver coin, or just a few silver coins, so that it is easier to transport. So we discussed that at length earlier on in the Masechta, how exactly to do that. But the Mishnah says that when you are doing that, you can calculate it according to how much a money changer collects of copper coins, and not by the amount which he gives out in return for a silver coin. Meaning, if you were to go to a money changer and give him copper coins in return for a silver coin, you would need to pay more copper coins, let's say 25 copper coins, in order to get one silver coin. On the other hand, if you are changing a silver coin in return for copper coins, so you would give him one silver coin, and he wouldn't give you 25 copper coins, he would give you less than that. So the mission is saying you can use the first price if you are changing copper coins for silver coins. So 25 of your copper coins would equal one silver coin, so you're getting rid of more copper coins. You get less, so therefore there'll be less Maishashani. And again, that's a leniency because of the Torah's use of the term bracha. That it will be a blessing. But the Mishnah does add that although you can be lenient in terms of the price you use, 
it still has to be a very precise measure. And therefore, if aim played my Sashani Achsara, one is not allowed to redeem my Sashani using an approximation, rather it has to be exact. So Eschazom if you do him, produce where the value is known. So that refers to good quality produce, which is fresh. And there's a known price, a fixed price in that location for that produce. So you podal p eid echod, and some Mishnayas read you podal p echod. You can redeem it for that price by the mouth of one witness. Meaning you would go up to somebody in the marketplace, ask him how much you would buy this for, what's the price of this, and he would tell you that, and if it's the same price as the known price, then that's good enough, and you can redeem it for that price. On the other hand, if it's produce which the value is not known, because the produce has deteriorated, so it's not its original quality, in that scenario, you can redeem it only after you've got the advice and the opinion of three experts in evaluating the prices of things, and you get three people to agree on a price, and that would apply to things such as Kagun Hayayin Shekoram, wine which has begun to turn into vinegar, it's turned a little bit sour, or Pesher Kivu, or produce and fruit which has started to rot, or Moishek and money which has started to go mouldy and rusty, things like this, it's much harder to tell the value, and therefore you require three experts in evaluating these things, and then you can redeem it for that price which they set. Mr. Gimel, though in general the owner himself would redeem the Maishashini produce on the money, other people are also allowed to do it for him. Perhaps imagine if he's taken the produce to this group of three experts, and they're evaluating it so there's lots of people around them, and someone sees what's going on and he wants to redeem the Maishashini produce himself. However, the owner also wants to redeem it, so the question is, who has precedence? So in general, if if the owner of the produce himself says that he will redeem it for a seller, a seller coin, that's a value, and somebody else also says he'll redeem it for the same amount, so in that case, certainly the owner himself has precedence, so if he wants to, then he redeems it, because he needs to add on a fifth of the value, when redeeming it, the halach is, and you redeem my sashini onto money, you have to add a chimesh, which literally means a fifth, although it's actually a quarter of the value, and the reason why it's called a fifth is because a quarter is a fifth of the total amount when you add on the quarter, meaning one quarter is a fifth of one and a quarter. So it's called a chimesh, again, because it's a fifth of the total amount once the quarter has been added on. Be as it may, only the owner himself, if he redeems it, then he has to add a chaymesh. But if somebody else redeems it on behalf of him, then he doesn't have to add a chaymesh. And therefore the owner comes first, because that way there will be more Maishashani money, since he adds on a chaymesh. However, interestingly, says the Mishnah, if the owner says he'll redeem it for a seller, the Acher Omer and somebody else says, Besela the Isar. I'll redeem it for a seller plus an Isar. Now an Isar is 196th of a seller which is much less than the chimesh which the owner would have to give. So you would think that here as well, the owner comes first, because that way there'll be more Maishashini money by the end, because he adds a chimesh which is more than an isar. But the Mishnah says that is not the case, rather as shall of isar kaidem, the person who is offering to redeem it for a seller plus an isar comes first, because he is adding on to the actual amount of the redemption. It's part of the actual redemption price. And as well as that, we're going to see in the following Mishnah that there are certain ways that the owner can get out of paying the Chaymesh. So since anyway the owner might not even pay the Chaymesh, the person who is willing to redeem it for an Sela plus an Isar comes first because that is guaranteed to be paid. Whereas the Chaymesh, the owner can get out of it. Now the Mishnah ends off by telling us that one who redeems his own Maishashini, he needs to add on a fifth, 
which ad, which as we explained is actually a quarter. Whether it belonged to him all along, so he grew the Maizashini produce, or even if it was given to him as a present after it grew. And we're talking about a situation where it was given to him when it was Tevel, and he separated the Maizashini from it. So since he separated the Maizashini, and the produce was made Maizashini by his own designation, it is considered to be totally his, such that if he redeems it, he will need to add on a fifth as if he had grown it himself.